subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my lovely co-host. Hello, I am Rex. And we are back at it again here on our, is this our eighth week in a row? God damn, doesn't feel like it for us. <laughs> Eight, eighth week in a row, uh, recording, totally, yeah. Mm-mm. There's no gap between this recording and the last one or anything. No, absolutely not. Zilch, not a zip. Mm-hmm. So here we are. <laughs> so since the last recording, um, I think I, I brought this up in it. I was at AMA, so we did take a break yes. um, for that event. I actually did a little live stream covering it. Uh, if you want to see that, you can check it out on the Kaiju Conversation YouTube channel. It's only 50 minutes. We check that out. <laughs> we we. <laughs> The people in the hotel room next to us kept knocking on the door, telling us <laughs> to quiet down. Um, it was late, and we were tired, and it was only the second day in. And spoiler alert, there's not a lot to do at All Monsters Deck. Um, oh, but we, we, had, we, we did talk about it. We had a lot of fun. Um, mm. And so, because of that, we, we took a week off, and then... Uh, I had some car problems and and I couldn't make it, so I we had to take another week off. And here we are, like right before this episode has to go live, and we're recording. Yeah, God help me in editing. So here we are, um, Rex. It's been a while. We so been. so Rex and I used to talk all the time. I mean, we're basically best friends. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we were like, wait a minute, because we 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 talk so much when we get on the cast, we, we don't have a lot to talk about unless we rehash the same old stuff. Yeah. So. So we essentially just bottle we, it all up. <laughs> we bottle it all up. We don't talk to each other. Or unless like we'll I want to know the leaks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have one or two conversations maybe beforehand. <laughs> But otherwise, I guess we kind of stay out of each other's business until the episodes. We do. Which, I mean, I want to know what you were doing before the recording, but I'll have to leave <laughs> that for after the recording because that's we, we can't include that in here, really. Hmm. Uh, but no, it, Rex and I, so to create the best content, we don't talk. So for the last two weeks, Rex and I basically didn't know if the other person was alive or not. Well, we did have one conversation in between when you were trying to get home. Oh, that's oh, that's right. So (laughs) Rex and I did have a conversation. Oh, it doesn't even. So, (laughs) well, to be so, here's here's the context. On uh, so, I was left alone at the end of AMA by myself, and so the following day, I had to figure out what to do with my life till I could get on my train to get back home. Mm -hmm. So I literally just 
sat at Union Station in downtown Chicago. I walked around downtown a little bit, hollowing all of my bags that had full of kaiju stuff. Yeah. And so my train left at 8 p.m. It went not the way home. It went out of the way home so I could have, because initially the plan was we were going to do stuff on Monday, but plans change. And so it was just me. Yeah. So my train left at 8 p.m., rode down to this little town in Illinois where I had to get off at like like one in the morning. I had a two hour wait for a bus to pick me up in that time frame. I was like, I don't like I'm literally sitting here in a train station by myself wearing a bright red cover shirt. What am I doing? So what I do is I'm like, it's like three in the morning, which means it's like middle of the afternoon for Rex. Let me let me message him. And you were I think you were weren't you working out or on the bus or yeah. So I called you and we had our first conversation that was not recorded in like two months. Okay, that's not and true. That's not is true. Is it? I'm pretty that's sure it is. True. We've had like I'm, at least one or two. At least are two. you sure? Because pretty since certain. we've been since we've been weekly, we have literally just been like I'm pretty certain we had at least one other one. I don't know. I swear I'm not crazy. You just have a terrible memory. Maybe. But anyway, we, we were on the phone for like an hour. Now, the weird part was the whole time I was on the phone with you, people were in the station, and some were like inmates getting out of jail. (laughs) I was kind of didn't say anything because I didn't want to get shot, but I was like, I'm horrified. I'm literally carrying giant bags, and I don't look like I have no money at the moment, which... (laughs) If you go to a kaiju convention and you buy kaiju stuff, you don't have money after it. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I was like, "Well, this is horrifying." I didn't say anything because I couldn't. <laughs> but I was like, "Rex, don't hang up in my head." I was like, "Please stay on the line," until <laughs> we finally got into the bus. And I only said I'm done or I got to go because the bus was a tiny bus of uh-huh. four people. And I don't think they wanted to hear me talk for an hour and a half while we drove to the next stop. <laughs> Honestly, I think my phone would have died anyways. <laughs> I mean, fair. Mine wouldn't have. I was char- I was using my uh, laptop to charge and then I had a portable battery that I was using to charge as well. Hmm. I had a whole thing going. I was determined to not lose my phone. Mm. I needed it. Especially because after I got off the phone and once I got to my next like place to wait, I was greeted with a person who was definitely tripping balls. <laughs> who nice. was like telling me to get out. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm going to die. This is where I die. But I didn't die. And we're here. So how have you been, Rex? Oh, pretty good for the most part. I don't remember most of what happens, but, uh, you know, pretty good. That means life has been a bit more chill than a couple other weeks, mostly. 
<laughs> I wish I could say the same. I wish I could say the same. Well, you see, it was it was pretty not show for like one at least one of the weeks, but now it's slowed down a little for now. I wish it would stay like that, but I know it won't. Yeah, I never have a slow moment. Well, that's unfortunate. <clears throat> yeah, all I do is like work and do stuff and Damn. work. Oh, I also got a lovely phone call. I don't know if I told you this. On my way to All Monsters Attack, I got a phone call. So yeah. I, I put my car in the shop so they could clear and fix something. Um, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, they ended up taking in a week later than I planned because then we couldn't record. Um, but on my way to Chicago, I get a phone call and they say, Hey, it's going to be $900 to fix your car. And... Mm-hmm. There's another problem, which is going to cost another like $2,300. So I would just say buy a new car. So now I have to buy a new car. That's lovely. That really is lovely. It's not. I had a fun weekend. I'm sh- I, I, I can tell. But I got to be with Ultraman. That is pretty cool. And there was a lot of cool stuff that Ultraman did. Mm. <laughs> the best part was when he... So, I didn't watch the Tokusatsu, so let me just talk about All Monsters Attack. Yep. So, on the last day, that's when I met everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought the Godzilla Final Wars completion book. Yeah. And my plan is to have every cast member and crew member I can sign it. Mm-hmm. I got four suit actors' signatures. The suit actor for Rodan Manila, mm-hmm. the suit actor for Kaiser Ghidorah, Ebera, and uh, Angiris, mm-hmm. Kitagawa, who played Godzilla, and the suit actor for Ebera. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, God. Now I have to look. You got Editing four time. suit actors. That, that's all that matters. I got four of the suit actors. Uh, I got Masaki Daimon, who is the uh, star of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. And then I got Ben Fruya. He was my last signature mm-hmm. um, that I was going to get. And I had bought some stuff and whatnot. Um, there's still one thing I haven't shown off because I'm waiting to get it like looking nice before I show it off because it's actually podcast related. Oh. Um, which I'm excited for you to see it because uh, I bought it based off of the sentimental value it has to me in the podcast. And mm-hmm. I think you'll be able to relate to that. So once once I can get it, I actually had to send it home with Michael because I didn't want it damaged going home with me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be shipped to me soon. Um, Fruya-san... He uh, did these drawings. He he drew Ultraman, and oh, yeah. you could buy those for a hundred and sixty dollars. Pretty. His funny. signature was forty dollars. Well, I bought his signature, and I went up, and I was going to buy his art too. But then I found out that was with the signature. Um, I said I'll buy that, and the person who was his handler in air quotes misunderstood me and thought I was going to buy both signature and photo op and the signature photo op and art. So I ended up paying $200 for Ben Fruya. A lot of money, but 
this is, it, it all worked out because here's what happened. So Danny, uh, Dan, Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project, mm-hmm. he went with me. He was my photographer to take photos while everything went down. Yeah. So I bought it all. Um, Fruya was actually eating a banana and like we were going to go, but he was eating. And I was like, and we were like, we'll wait, we'll wait. Like eat. you've been busy. Like we'll wait. Mm. And I don't know if it was because of that or the fact that he knew that I spent $200 <laughs> or the fact that I'm going to bring up here in a little bit. But so when we got to his table, Danny's taking photos and recording and whatnot. And Fruya tells uh, his translator to tell me to pick another picture. Mm-hmm. He wants to sign. So he's going to sign one, sign the art, and then sign another one for free. So another Again. signature for free. And then he tells her to tell Danny to pick one because he's going to sign one for him as well. Oh, damn. And, you know, he, he personalized it to Elijah, to Danny, uh, Ultraman in Japanese kanji, uh, and then uh, his signature and dated. And then he takes a photo with me without the schwa, just us standing together. And what was funny was he was wearing a pink uh, suit yeah, and white white dress pants. And I was wearing a pink overshirt. With white shorts. <laughs> so we were matching visually, unintentionally. Of course you were. <laughs> which was really cool because, like, the photo looks amazing. Um, so we took a photo. Then he pulled Danny in to take a photo. And then he pushed Danny away and had <laughs> me do the schwa, the specium rate pose. And he, like, made sure and with anybody he does that with. He like makes sure that everybody is proper because he wants it to be a hundred percent. Yeah. So we do the specium ray. Then he pulls Danny in to do it as well. He fixed Danny, fixes Danny's pose, and then we do one together. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like the photo op's done, right? Like, oh, we also did a normal one. So Danny and I did a normal with him. I did a normal photo with him, and then we did the specium ray, uh, just. Fruya, San, and I, and then Danny, Fruya, San, and me. Mm-hmm. We got our signatures. At that point, like, he should be done, right? Like, Yeah. He The $200 was spent and done. Mm-hmm. But Fruya, San, then puts his hand on my shoulder, and, like, I'm basically cornered now. His translator's there. He's there holding my shoulder. And he's looking at me. And he, he's he's speaking Japanese. And I'm trying to see if I can understand anything he's saying, but I really can't. Um, but his his translator is like, Fruya-san wants to ask a question, and he apologizes, but he wants to know how old you are. Mm-hmm. And he deeply apologizes for asking such a personal question, because in Japan, in, in Japanese culture, you don't ask a stranger, how old are you? Like, that, that yeah. is seen as improper. But he was really interested. And I'm like horrified, like I'm I'm shaking because I'm like this is a little Ultraman's right here, and I am I can't move. Oh my god, what's going on? So I tell him the wrong age, 
like I don't even think about it. I just say like I tell them I'm a year older than I actually am. Granted, yeah. my birthday's like a month and a half away, but yeah. I still tell him the wrong age. So I tell him the age. And then he says, Why is somebody as young as you interested in Ultraman? Why like <laughs> why would you come to see me? So like he asks like where I saw Ultraman, um why I liked it, what it meant to me, and he was and he was just like he he wasn't even done finished he wasn't even done talking to me, but his handlers had to pull him away for a photo op. Uh-huh. <laughs> um but he just wanted to know why like I, me, want I I I think personally Personally, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. But I think he wanted to know why somebody so young would spend $200 on his artwork to get his signature with of him with the Ultraman suit and his signature. Like, why, yeah. why, why is this kid so fascinated and interested in, in me to spend $200 to just get a photo and my signatures. Hmm. At least that's what I think. Um, but the whole time I, I was like, it just, it, it was, it was so weird. Like <laughs> I, I had never, it was, it was the first time that somebody of that like magnitude of awesomeness, like, interacted uh, with me. I mean, Danny has stories about Takarada. Yeah. Um, and I have a cool story about Don Fry, mm-hmm. but it was the fact that like Benfruya is to me like on the same level as Akira Takarada. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, he's Ultraman. Like there is nobody else. He is Ultraman. The fact that, um, Shin Hayata's actor and Ben Fruya both share the mantle of Ultraman, like in real life. Like mm. people recognize both of them for that character. That speaks volume because no other suit actor of the Ultras really has that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it was it was it was great. It was it was so weird and then he was at the end. He was like, "I hope to come back, and I hope to see you again." Mm. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Now, now, whenever I find out that he's like coming to something, I need to try and go. <laughs> um, maybe he'll remember me. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Mm. Um, yes, maybe you'll be lucky. It was just. It was so surreal. Mm. Um, that Fruya like took. 10 minutes and if it was going to be more out of his day to like learn why I'm there. Hmm. So I had a great time at all monsters attack. And I honestly think that is like the biggest thing ever. If you look at the photos, I'm like the smile on my face is so big and so powerful that you're like, Oh my God, this dude's like in heaven right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that was All Monsters Attack. I also started the movie Versus with my best friend. Oh, yeah? I don't think we're going to finish it. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. 
we we got oh, yeah. he want he's so we got through the first actual fight and he was tired and I was like do you want me to just stop it and he said no let's pause it I want to finish it I'm interested but the likelihood of us picking it up ever is slim to none oh. like he started the he started the fast and the furious movies with me and mm-hmm. we've watched 3 of them and we haven't touched it in like 6 months Mm-hmm. So I don't see us ever touching verses again. Damn. Plus, I have like a hundred thousand things I need to do, and I work sixty hours a week. Mm. So you know, it is what it is. Damn. My hope is he he almost also agreed to go see Shin Kamen Riders coming out. Um, he almost agreed to go see Shin Kamen Rider, but I I think he's not interested. So. Mm. another loss he was supposed to go see the Godzilla movies in theaters with me but both times he cancelled So mm. that's unfortunate yeah my hope is Final Wars comes to theaters and he'll go watch that because I feel like that'd be a fun first Godzilla movie I would be so annoyed I... if Final Wars came to American theaters I'm gonna be so annoyed <laughs> yeah I know but that's why I'm better the f- <sighs> so Rex, before you kill me, myself. <laughs> well, tell us how you've been. What uh, what tokusatsu have you watched? Oh, pretty good. I've actually uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since the last recording. I've actually watched a decent amount of tokusatsu. I'd say more than new. Uh, what else is new? Yeah, that's true. Uh, probably some of the highlights are uh. Obviously, I've been continuing Kamen Rider V3 about halfway through the show. Um, but I also decided, you know what? I want to, I want to, I want to give. I keep seeing tweets on my, on my Twitter about Kamen Rider Revis spoilers, and you know, and theories and all that. I'm like, you know, maybe I should watch, or not Revis, Gates. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should catch up on Gates. So I've caught up on Gates. And it's pretty good. Is it better than Revis? Um, I mean, I only saw like three or four episodes of Revis, and I liked. I, I thought they were fine, uh, minus the CG. <laughs> gotcha. Um. So, so yeah, I don't really have too much of an opinion on Revis. I hear, I hear the start of the show is pretty good, but then later on it uh, goes a bit. But again, haven't seen. Haven't seen that, so I can't really say much on it. Um, outside of that, though, I've watched... Uh, I watched a Takeshi Miike film. Which one? The Happiness of the Katakuris. That was one of his earlier films, was it not? Uh, from 2001. Okay. So it's so... after Audition and around the same time as Ichi. Okay, so it was right before he really became... The me K we all know. Yeah, Roughly. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely a me K movie. <laughs> Is it and like I, weird and twisted and and yes. horrifying? Okay. Um, there's some interesting stop motion. <laughs> okay. It's pretty funny though. It's it's like a horror. Or it's like a horror comedy musical. I mean, I say horror. Horror is probably like the lightest element of it, honestly. Uh, 
it's just I, I see it on a lot of like J horror lists. It's not really a focus of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's just got some of the subject matter is a bit dark, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, and then outside of that, I've watched uh, I watched a Hideaki Anna movie called Shiki Shiki Jitsu or Ritual, which isn't quite Tokusatsu, but you know, got a got to watch more Arno movies. <laughs> Maybe you disagree on that point, but I do disagree. And then I also finally got around to watching the third Tomie film, Tomie replay. That was okay. Was that the one that Shimizu directed? No, that's the next one. Okay. I knew it was I knew it was like the second or third or fourth film. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. And there was there was one other movie I watched, you know. Well, before... I don't know what bef- it is. So, actually, I did watch Tokusatsu, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was the Ultra Common Zilla oh. Vangelion Power Rangers move? Can, can you explain to me... Because I'm going to be honest. So when I watched the clip that I watched. <laughs> I was really surprised by what I saw. <laughs> I saw oh. Shin Godzilla become a Transformer. I was not <laughs> expecting that. And then I saw Megazord in Tokusatsu effects, and I wasn't expecting that. And uh, What, a Megazord in Tokusatsu s- effects? You weren't expecting that? No, 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 not from a Shin Godzilla Ultraman common writer. So, so for those who don't know, um, I don't even know. know the Shin Japan following, uh, you know, the release of Shin Ultraman, the Shin Japan Heroes universe, uh, sort of like marketing brand thing, um, you know, came about and, you know, it's just mostly been merchandise as an amusement park in Japan and all that. Um, and, and it's, it's the culmination of, of Shin Godzilla, Shin Kamen, Shin Ultraman, Shin Evangelion and Shin Kamen Rider. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, if uh, I want to say like a month or so back, there was like a, little promotional video that was like cg of like the four the four heroes (laughs) and godzilla's a hero now um the four heroes are fighting some evil blob monster thing we still don't know what that is and so now we've got like a continuation of that (laughs) where where they all Transform into a giant, into a giant Megazord. Quite literally, it starts with Shin Godzilla like croaking over. Yeah, and then we see like Ultraman split in half, and then uh, Eva Unit One, and then Common Rider just comes down and like his bike morphs. Common yeah. Rider is just chilling on the top, by the way. Like yeah. he's just chilling. It's the Shin Universe robot. 
And, and, then, and, and, like, then, and then it's a tokusatsu effect. They made a real suit for this. And had explosions and, like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it has a sword that is the Specium Ray. Yeah. It has a, a shield, shield that is... That is the AT field. And then another superpower of Godzilla's plasma beam. Yeah. Oh, it's also got Godzilla's head in, like, the middle and, like, Ultraman and AV Unit 1, like, on the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And there's another head that's the actual head that Kamen Rider sits on top of. Now, my question is, does Kamen Rider control them? <laughs> um, why not? <laughs> Who knows at this point? Because after all of this, or, like, the finishing move is, uh, Kamen Rider does, like, a henshin move. And then, like, the Specium Ray Sword... The plasma beam and common rider kicks, and I does what does Eva do? Uh, it shoots its gun. Shoot, okay, it shoots its gun, and like the powers that be, they all destroy the blob monster. Yeah, it was the craziest, most unexpected thing I have ever seen. You see. I knew something was coming because they teased it on like the Shin Japan Heroes like um like Twitter account. So I knew something was coming. I wasn't expecting that. Right, <laughs> and that's I was like, what am I watching? What is this? So now this exists in the world of Godzilla. Godzilla has become a megazord. Mm-hmm. After already becoming an Evangelion. Or, no, Evangelion becoming a Godzilla. So, like, my question is, when are we getting the crossover movie? Honestly, at this point, after after the GVK, or GXK leaks, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, and let them become the Megazord. Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's, let's, let's just have some fun with it. Let's... It'd be more interesting than anything from GSK. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. So, yeah, that that's... Yeah, sorry I interrupted you about the tokusatsu thing, but what what uh, what else did you watch? Uh, well, you know, today we're covering the final film in the Star Wars uh, quadrilogy. And yes, so, yes, because there is no other Star Wars movies. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so I watched that. Did you? I feel like... Do you even know what it is? Is it like... The warning no. from... Or the... the sp- no. Uh, the menace from space? No. Or... No. No? No. Um, is, it, is it like... No. The Last Samurai? No. I did watch that recently, though. Good movie. Is it... Hang on, let me think here. No. Is it... The Legend of the Empire? Getting warmer. Um... Is it... The Rise of the Samurai? No. No. (sighs) But the title does include Samurai. The English title, I should say. 
Um, God. I I feel like I did watch this movie, but I, the fact I can't, I, the fact I can't remember it just gone. Yeah, what what kind of a person am I? You're a real big disappointment. And that's what my why do you why do you why do you host a podcast? I don't know. I don't, I just oh Rex, I'm sorry. Like I know, like at this point, I should know what we're watching, but yeah, it just, it's escaped me. <sighs> Well, can you give me eight chances? No, no, damn, damn, no. The spit is going to be the death of me, I swear. But at least we'll both be numb, and you'll always get the best of me, but the worst is yet to come. But at least we'll both be beautiful and stay forever young. Yes, I know. Rex, I know. I didn't get that reference. It's a can't feel my face by the weekend. I'm a huge weekend fan, by the way. I've never established that on the podcast, but I love the weekend. And I just <laughs> saw the the opportunity with it'll be the death of me. So today we're covering Kinji Fukasaku's The Legend of Eight Samurai. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. See, I, I knew there was something about of the and and samurai and legend and and yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, the fourth the fourth Star Wars movie, yeah, that that ha- that has the same, more or less the same sort of plot as the last one. It's okay. All the Star Wars movies have the same plots. Have you noticed? Mm. Uh, no, War and Space seemed pretty different. From Hidden Fortress, especially. Well, there's always that one outlier. <laughs> so, Rex, how do you want to do this one? We've been starting with production on a lot of these. Do you want to keep up the 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 trend, or do you want to talk about the movie first? What would uh, you like to do? Well, for the sake of consistency, I think it would be appropriate. You know, we're not we're not going to do a Ryan Johnson or. A, or J.J. Abrams and completely like change the formula and then go back randomly for no reason. That that'd yeah. be that'd be stupid. Yeah, we're not going to retcon and bring back characters that were erased in in the, in the past film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not going to cast people that that can't act either. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to notice that we're doing a lot of something in this episode, specifically you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's almost like I'm I don't like most, a certain... I'm mostly neutral here. Mostly. It's, it's almost like I don't like a certain trilogy of a franchise that has three trilogies, plus some prequels that everybody doesn't think about, minus the one good one that Disney made. Yeah, man, man. The MonsterVerse Godzilla trilogy was really disappointing. <laughs> Real but, talk, uh... though, Gareth Edwards made the best Star Wars movie from Disney. Yeah, yeah. So, I I feel like we could just talk about we could we could refer back to Message from Space momentarily here. Yeah, because the development of this film kind of starts with Message from Space, which is very interesting. Um, so Message from Space was an adaptation of 
Satomi Hakenden. Which, you know, if you want to know more about that, go listen to our Message from Space episode. Mm -hmm. Well, about, let's see, that was 1978, correct? Uh, Message from Space, yeah. Yes. So five years later, Kenji Fukusaku basically does the same movie again, but this time he didn't want to rehash it, partially because he didn't want to do... Uh, he was heavily inspired by the 1954 through 1958 Toei show, adapting the Satomi Hakenden uh, story into multiple movies. Uh, he was inspired by that, but he also had basically done that in Message from Space, so he wanted to do something new. Mm-hmm. He decided to adapt... Shin Satomi Hakenaden. Which... Yeah, let's go with that pronunciation. Okay, I mean, mine's not, 100, mine's not 100% accurate, but whatever. Yeah. So it was based off of a reimagining of the original story by writer Toshio Kamada, who essentially tried to reduce the story because it was a serial novel. It ran for decades. Mm-hmm. So adapting that whole story would basically be impossible for him. Yeah. I mean, so in- interesting thing I learned uh, not long before recording, actually, when I was doing some last-minute additional research, was that uh, with the original run of Satomi Hakenden, uh, the author actually went blind um, near the yes. end of this run and had to had to get his daughter, I believe, to help yes. him finish it. <laughs> yeah, there's. I, I read about that too back when I was researching for Message from Space. That was that was pretty interesting. Mm. Um, so Fukusaku did this movie based off of this. But what's interesting is Fukusaku initially wasn't like this. wasn't his idea. This wasn't a plan by Fukusaku to remake the same story that Message from Space was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was all birthed from the producer, actually. Yeah, Haruki Katakawa. Who, as the name may suggest, is the founder of Katakawa, mm-hmm. who later would go on to purchase Daiei, the mm-hmm. owners of Daimajin, uh, Yokai, the yokai monster movies to be specific they don't own the yokai um and gamera yeah and and would later be parodied in a godzilla movie <laughs> um hiroki katakawa also uh produced Arthur. virus another uh kenji fukuzaku film yeah uh ninja wars who was an actor in samurai reincarnation and virus Mm-hmm. And he also uh, produced a movie that actually was very important to the production of this one called Sailor Suit and Machine Girl, which yeah. I've heard of this movie before. I know Arrow released it, but I know nothing of it. I need to watch it. I I hear it's pretty good. <laughs> Do you know what it's about? Um, not really. I'm 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 assuming it's sort of like. It's sort of like just a part of that whole um, like um, delinquent uh, schoolgirl craze, like where things like Sukeban Deka and Asuka Gumi, are, which those were all a part of, 
I don't know if you know any of them. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, Do you want to? So, can you explain that a little bit? Because I'm I'm curious. So, like, Sukeban, Deka, and Asuka Gumi. Asuka Gumi actually stars um, Megumi Odaka from the Heisei Godzilla series. Um, really? I've yeah. heard of Sukeban Daka. Sukeban Deka? Yeah. Yes. It's it's like this like live action Japanese uh, drama series or. Yeah, that's kind of, from what I understand, it's just about, like, these delinquent schoolgirls who are, like, badasses and get into, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a tokusatsu show, um, without the without tokusatsu. Suits. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's, that's the impression I'm under. I, I think some of them even are basically count, counted as tokusatsu. Gotcha. Like Super Kebon Deka and yes. at least the Ask Gumi movie are counted, yes. I believe. Yes. And then the movie it's... has a crossover with the show. <laughs> right, right. Because, okay. okay. I, so... I don't know too much about them. It's kind of something that I know exists. I want to check them out. I want to see Asuka Gumi because that one seems pretty interesting to me. But um, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm only I, I'm I'm pretty sure um, Machine Girl is probably like inspired by that wave. I'm sure. Of... I mean, there's a lot of like me. It, it's pretty influential in Japanese pop culture, from what I understand. Like, uh, like the anime studio Studio Trigger. One of their most famous works is a, a show called Kill the Kill, and that is massively inspired by Suke Bandeka. Interesting. So, okay. Because yeah. from from what I heard, uh, Sailor Suit and Machine Gun was, was one of the films that helped inspire it. Um, another film was uh, specifically Katakawa, uh, when he went into producing, he wanted to make a film like Versus, uh, Virus, not Versus, Virus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this pre because, stuff. yeah, uh, and Virus did so well that that uh, Legend of the Eight Samurai was another film that was kind of a dream of his that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. I wanna I wanna see if I can. I I have a ton of notes, so I want to make sure that I, I help mm. follow I mean, through on this. I mean, if I mean, had Kenji Fukasaku declined the author to direct it, I I read that. Um, Katakawa himself would have directed the film. Yes, he was that uh, sure of it being like a success. Um, and even at one point, Fukusaku almost was either fired or removed from production. Until yeah. Fukusaku said, hey, you've worked with me. You need to trust me. Mm-hmm. And Katakawa kind of stepped back and was like, okay, I yeah. trust you. Let's do this. Um, and part of it, too, was simply because of uh, Samurai Reincarnation, which was another film that uh, Fukusaku directed. That did Sorry, extremely well. Classed as this film. Yes. Um, you can actually see a lot of, of bleed over from mm-hmm. uh, all the titles we've mentioned. Message from Space, Samurai Reincarnation, Virus, and uh, Sailor Suit and Machine Gun. 
I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of these films kind of had a cast primarily uh, made up of the Japan Action Club. Right, and Fukusaku only wanted Hiroyuki uh, Sonata. Sonata originally, yeah. But eventually he realized, like, he had to cast more. I mean... He wanted someone like Sonny Chiba, so what did he do? He cast a Sonny Chiba. Yeah. And initially the film, the script was actually done in 1981. Yeah. Uh, they had a script done in 1981, but there was Completed three drafts. the filming of Sailor Suit. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was three drafts of the screenplay, and that's what took a while. Um... The screenplay, which was done by the writer of uh, Shin Satomi, uh, mm-hmm. he was told to uh, be inspired and look at films such as Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Flash Gordon, and American Graffiti. Yeah. Um, so this was right after the film had finished, uh, or the script was done, because uh, Flash Gordon was released in 1981. So considering it was, uh, it probably took it a while to be released in Japan. I guarantee you it was shortly after that script that the development of the screenplay started. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fukusaku ended up working with uh, Kamada to co-write the script. Mm-hmm. So this film basically had a production process of four years. Which is a really long time for a Japanese film when you consider that a lot of these were... A lot of Japanese films kind of made in about six months. Mm-hmm. Um, if not less. Six to twelve months, I'd say, usually. Sure. Um, Shin Godzilla, I think, was... Uh, the that first was script previous. was done... Yeah, yeah. Talk started in 2013. Um, the first draft was done in 2014. So yeah, yeah about three years. Shin Kamen um, Rider, I think, was about four, I want to say. Depends. I don't exactly remember when talk started. Right. So, I mean, especially, you know, for a film of its type, I was kind of surprised that it, they'd spent so long developing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, when when you think about it, and, like, you, you do the research here, Everybody that was like a producer or like hands on, like creatively on this film, they were all high profile names. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, uh, I didn't mention a lot of what Haruyuki Katakawa did, but he was very prolific in anime. Um, I mean, he was Katakawa, very prolific until he got arrested. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, the story was iconic. The mm. fact that it had been adapted multiple times prior uh, is clear examples of that. And Kenji Fukusaku had directed two of the most expensive films in Japan history. Yeah. Um, being Message from Space, uh, which at the time was the most expensive Japanese film ever made. And then Virus, two years yeah. later. Same ground. And... I, I'm pretty sure Legend of the Eight Samurai didn't hit that, but it still did not. It 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 won and beat some records that I'll that I'll bring up uh, at the end of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, Toho actually, so Virus was distributed by Toho. Yeah, 
Toho was actually supposed to distribute this film as well, but due to problems with uh, Aligned School, the talks for them to distribute distribute Legend of the Eight Samurai fell through, and it ended up at Toei's doors, which is interesting because Toei uh, produced and distributed Message from Space. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up distributing it. And they released the film on VHS and theaters on the same day. Yeah, which is unusual to say the least, especially at this time. (laughs) Right. But it does show that the idea of home video availability is not something new to the market. Yeah, and and, uh, simultaneous release. Right. And I'm going to explain why this is a great example of how that shouldn't affect the market towards the end of this recording. Okay. Um, so with that, that's kind of the production process. That's kind yeah, of a crash I'll, course I'll of, few. Um, of where it started. Uh, Katakawa was very proud of this movie and very much was all about making the best film ever. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I was reading, Katakawa was very like proud and had a lot of faith in this production. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was um, willing to delay it if, if, if even just the lead actress, uh, Hiroku, Hiroko Yakushimaru, uh, even if she just wanted to go to college, he was, he was willing to, you know, wait on her. <laughs> right. Um, but thankfully they didn't have to wait and prep began in February of 1983 and went through all the way till December of, uh, 1983 when it comes to filming uh, main filming was done from July to September but the fact that it went from February all the way up to December like they were working down to the last wire on this film God damn! Um, they actually averaged about 15 hours per day on set um, Fukusaku specifically recalled uh, working late hours or early mornings a lot <laughs> And there was, uh, I, they ended up working on three studios, like three studio lots. One was Toei Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get the other two, but uh, they had a lot of sets built for this film, um, yeah. which we'll probably talk about once we get going here about the actual plot and the overall yeah. thoughts of the film. So do you have anything else you want to add when it comes to pre-production uh... and production? Not really. There might be a couple things, but we'll see if I can, you know, maybe I'll sprinkle them in, hopefully. (laughs) So on December 10th of 1983, the film was released and it starts off very, very 80s. (laughs) It looks like a Journey album cover, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't have the... My reference point is the movie itself. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, the rock group Journey, their album covers look as exactly like the title sequences, the title cards, mm-hmm. um, which I got a chuckle out of. And we have an English an, rock song, <laughs> an English rock song that sounds very 80s. Yes, yeah. I was not. I was not prepared for that at all. No, it was is <laughs> very. So it's called. It's actually titled uh, Satomi uh, Hekneden. Are you sure that's not the love song? 
Cause no, because sure isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's a the love song that's called Satomi Hakenden. That's right. That's right. That's right. There's two. There's two ballads in this movie. And yeah, in this movie, and the mm-hmm. second one's titled that. So really good song, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. So we start off with a nice wide shot with some really nice matte paintings. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the matte paintings in the shot of a pagoda with a bunch of guards around it. It looks dark. It looks creepy. Um, where we are introduced to the problem of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also introduced with some synthesizers um, or just some 80 sounds. Um, but yeah. what was really cool is as our main villains, our main antagonists are walking, the music was synced to their steps, something yeah. uh, that was first invented with 1933's King Kong, um, which was really I, I thought it was really nice to see that. Um, I always appreciate a film that tries to sync its sound with its visuals. So we we're introduced to the problem, which is the Satomi clan is being murdered yeah. by do they do they have a name like as a group uh, it's, it's or the Hikota, Hikota clan it's Hikoto either Hikita, clan? Hikita or Hikota I don't quite remember which Hikota sounds I wrote it right. two different ways in, in my notes <laughs> <laughs> so they're out to kill the Satomi clan um and the king and not the king the queen and the prince, I guess. Yeah. Her um, son. Mother and mother. son. Yeah, which is a little weird. Um, <laughs> we were introduced to them, and they're uh, they're shown the mm-hmm. heads of all the Satomi clan members except for the quote unquote most important one. Yeah, the princess. Princess um, Shizu. Princess Shizu or Princess Satomi. It depends on uh, translations because I've seen it as Princess Satomi. Mm-hmm. Um, right away, I wanted to point out that this film feels very much like Hidden Fortress um, with its storyline. Oh, with the whole princess. Um, mm-hmm. like- yeah, I did get it. I did get some Hidden Fortress vibes. I mean, to be fair, like Hidden Fortress, um, Message from Space, and this film have somewhat of a similar, similar-ish premise to an extent. Hidden Fortress being a little, not quite having the eight magical, like eight prophesized warriors, but. Just with the whole princess element of it. Right. But so to that, I will say, um, didn't – so maybe I'm a little crazy here. But it kind of feels like Kurosawa was inspired by this story because, I mean, while I mean, we didn't see the entire plot of this in Hidden Fortress, Seven Samurai is essentially this story without the princess. I mean, it's possible – but in the same regard, I've heard this film, I've heard it been stated that this film isn't very accurate to the original story um, of Satomi Hakenden. Right, because yeah, it was based off of it's a... more closer to Seven Samurai, <laughs> the Kurosawa film. Right. In that sort of structure. 
So you could at least establish that this is definitely inspired by Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, which is quite I, – I I didn't realize that until, you know, watching Hidden Fortress and then closely following that, watching Legend of the Eight Samurai. Because it is very interesting to see that the films we've picked all kind of have – I mean, War and Space being the, the outlier. Um mm but all of them kind of having a similar concept, a similar idea. Um, yeah. And, you know, having that knowledge now um, of watching Seven Samurai and being able to recall the events of that film and how it probably inspired Fukusaku in both Message from Space and Legend of the Eight Samurai. Uh, it, it's, it's quite interesting to see how intertwined they are. Hmm. Um, which was which is something I, I I do appreciate. Yeah. From here, we follow the princess, uh, who's now on the run. We yeah. have our bodyguards in air quotes. They're they're just simple. Uh, what would they be classified as? Um, I don't know the what. <clears throat> the words on the tip of my tongue. They're not they're not royalty. They're not actual bodyguards. They're just servants. They're servants yeah, of of the clan. Mm. And clan. <laughs> clan. Mm. And so all they're trying to do is protect the princess. Yeah. Kind of like in the Hidden Fortress with uh Takashi Shimura and and those characters. Yeah. Um so I mean hell, they, they even they get a, a girl to be the decoy, just like in yeah. what happens off screen in Hidden Fortress. Yes, and that I think that was when I started to realize that I I felt the Hidden Fortress connections mm-hmm. um, because of that because she ends up getting executed, yeah, and whatnot, and our princess case, feels awful. Yeah, so they kidnap a decoy, they kill the old man, they hide the princess, and she's left alone to fend for herself. Yeah. Then we go back to our main uh, antagonist, Motofuji, um, the the prince. And I'm trying to remember the mother's name. It's like Taz, uh, Tazamu, Tamazu. Tamazu and Motofuji. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. And they're about to kill the princess in air quotes. When oh, there's also... Tamazusa. Tamazusa? Tamazusa? Yeah, okay. I've, we forgot to establish there's a demon god. Yeah. Um that reminds me of oh what was it? Um there's a I want to say it's in The Great Yokai War. Uh the I haven't seen it. Oh. Well, I'm pretty sure it's that film where there's like this No, it's on Meiji. That's right. In On Meiji there's uh if I recall correctly cuz we covered On Meiji, uh there is this like demon that's trapped in in a statue that needs blood. Um, do you we remember that? Or not on, on Miyuji. Did we? Oh, that's right. Oh God. <laughs> Did Ashura have that? Um, no, a little it was, bit, it was, right? It was a huh? love interest. who was, uh, that's was right. That's right. But I'm, pr- so if I recall correctly on Miyuji does have that. Okay. Um, and so, like, and, and I read some uh, linear notes on on uh, 
uh, Legend of Eight Samurai, and they actually brought up on Miyuji as a film that was inspired by Legend of Eight Samurai. So I thought that was kind of a cool little connection as well. Um, and as they're about to sacrifice the princess in air quotes, the demon god, the Majin, I guess, um, gets very angry. Yeah, and a, a witch. That kind of reminds me of the the old lady from Message from, from Space. Message from Space, yeah. Yes, I thought, yes. I thought they were going to do that whole plot again, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Thankfully not. Yeah, this time she's a part of the 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 evil clan, and they mm-hmm. don't kill her. She's actually. It kind of feels like she knows what's going on more than anybody else. To be honest, um, she's like, no, stop! That's not the princess. The god is angry. And then they immediately start searching for the actual princess. Yeah. This is where we're introduced to... Hiroyuki Sonata. As a young kid. So I watched this movie. Um, This was my second time watching it. So this wasn't my first time. But when I first watched it, it was like pretty shortly after I'd seen Ring. Yeah. So I saw Hiroyuki Sonata as like this young kid. And it like freaked me out. (laughs) It was so weird, and I didn't remember him from Message from Space, because that film kind of, like, disappeared in my mind. Yeah. But it was, like... God, he would have been only, like, 17 or 18 during Message from Space's filming. So that means he was in his early 20s. Yeah, he was in his early 20s for this film. Which is a little weird, because I'm pretty sure the girl is supposed to be, like, 16 in the movie. But I don't think the actress was. There's definitely a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet inspired story with them, <laughs> but they, they don't, they don't have the Romeo and Juliet ending, which is, I think nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes back from war. He's apparently a samurai and he finds out that the person that raised him died alone. Yeah. His character is kind of interesting because he kind of bounces from, he, he's chaotic. Good. I think is what he would classify as chaotic good. Yeah. I um, mean, the, the films, he starts the film as a pretty immoral character, all things considered. He, he comes back to the uh, village he was from and requests them to bring out girls. Yeah. He's, he's a brash kid. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. And then he's kind of hit with reality that, Hey, you're the only person, you know, as a parent died. Hmm. Um, and this is when he stumbles upon the princess who looks like a boy, Mm -hmm. um, gives the princess who he thinks is a boy food. And only as she's walking away, does he realize, wait a minute, that bottom is not a boy. (laughs) Again, Sonata's character, uh, Shinpei. Shinpei. Shinpei? is a little brash, as Rex put it. (laughs) So he immediately chases her and is interrupted by the man, the myth, the legend... Sonichiba. Sonichiba and his sidekick. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting because while watching this film, I tried to figure out uh, what characters from Message from Space these characters were. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like Message from Space is 
the uh what's his name he was a part of the the people from the planet that had that got the uh walnut last he kind of sonny chiba's character reminded me of him mostly in this film uh what the uraku uraku yes that's kind of who i felt like he was in this film yeah kind of he he kind of has a similar ish role minus the betrayal right he doesn't have the betrayal but he has the part where like he knows the story he knows how it goes he's protecting yeah. the princess like that's his duty yeah and then his side character i still don't know like i the thing about it is in message from space three of the eight characters are like young, immature space heroes. I feel like Message from Space does a better job at like making all its characters at least stand out from one another. Of like yes, the, the eight, the eight, uh, you know, legendary chosen warriors ones. or whatever. Yeah, chosen ones. Right, this because film, I feel like there's a few, there's a few that stand out, but some are really underdeveloped. Like, some of them are just... It barely feels like they're even given it much of an introduction. Um, right. And this... the uh, Sonny Chiba's side character, side... Yeah. Definitely feels like... Is, uh, Dos, uh, um, Dosetsu. Meanwhile, this, his uh, side guy is uh, Daikaku, and Daikaku is kind of just there. <laughs> Honestly, out of all of them, he feels like the one that I remember the least. Um, I feel like it's the last two that are introduced that I remember the least. It's like the little kid and the other guy. It's just because it's a little kid and a very big guy that I remember them the best. Or remember them well. Mm. They're the most different visually than the others. Eh. I don't know. I, I, thought they, I thought they were very unmemorable. <laughs> I mean, fair. So they tell the princess they're here to protect her. They uh, successfully take her away from Shinpei, who mm-hmm. Shinpei, Shinpei, who yes. then uh, stumbles upon the uh, villains who are looking for the princess. They are closely behind somehow. Plot convenience. Yeah. Uh, and, where they say and hidden fortress. Uh... In a, in a way similar to Hidden Fortress as a peasant, um, Shinbei decides he's going to uh, give the princess over to um, the the Hikito clan? The, yeah. Yeah, that's what... I'm pretty sure that's what they were called. The Hikito clan, sure. yeah. So then the rest of his... The rest of his story told basically the final or until the middle part of the film is basically tracked down the princess for money. I mean, he he also disappears from, he isn't into much of this um, up until after the halfway point, which I do like. I like the fact that after this point, he's kind of left to try and catch up because Mm -hmm. from this point on, I feel like the story goes faster. Um, Following all of these events, uh, Sonny Chiba's character gives the exposition dump. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I really liked um, the explaining of the story. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the the scroll 
and and the explanations of of why they're in the situations they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not a fan of the fact that they established that Sonny Chiba has to die. <laughs> um, because in this he gives the kind of the like this is why we have to do it. He has a month to live. Yeah, because his body is slowly failing, falling apart. Which yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, he's arguably the most trained fighter out of all of them, and he's still like, I mean, I guess he is Sonny Chiba. Um, I don't know. I just it, it did feel a w- little weird. That I'm gonna be honest. It it it's kind of just it's mentioned just so that they can like. So that he can motivate like the princess to agree mm-hmm. to him, but like agree to the whole thing. But um, honestly, for the rest of the film, I kind of forgot he was dying. <laughs> right. It, it's 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 kind of it's it's a non-issue. Yes. Like you'd think you'd think maybe like oh they'd have like a couple scenes of him um, like maybe coughing, bleeding, or whatever. But uh, the film doesn't really dedicate the time to it. Doesn't really have the time in the in the runtime i suppose and this is a very long movie it's it's two yeah. two, hours two hours and 13 13 minutes is the english version yeah um two hours and 13 minutes which is basically uncut yeah so yeah it's it's a very long movie but there is there's so much they're trying to establish that i think some stuff does get lost in yeah the story. i mean i mean there's nine nine main characters and like Three Two or villains. four of them basically don't do much. Um, and then, yeah, there's there's two main villains plus a couple other side villains. Right. And this is where we're introduced to our next main character hero. Um, yeah. We jump to a wedding mm-hmm. Um with this one person clearly distressed, they ask him if he's upset that his sister is being married. He's like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, during the ceremony, uh, snakes fall from the ceiling. And this lady appears and says that she's going to kill. Uh, is it the magistrate? Is that what they call Yeah, it? it's the magistrate. Um, the sister is marrying the magistrate and... It's a high honor, but the brother seems something's afoot. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, she does effectively kill the magistrate. Yeah, and this Taking is where with him. Over yeah. with her. And this is where the statement "You're just my step, bro," entered my notes. <laughs> so after the magistrate dies, the sister basically is like, "I want to be with you. I love you." And yeah, because they're in love and, with each other. Yes. Which we find out that it's only because they kind of adopted him when he was a child. Um, but mm-hmm. it's still frowned upon, obviously. It's still weird. <laughs> it's um, still, this this movie has a thing with incest. A little bit, a little bit. But they they try to fight, she ends up dying. And he yeah. flees. And he gets exiled um, from his clan, essentially, as well. Yes. So now we jump to the assassin. Mm-hmm. And we're jumping around a lot right now. Yeah. The assassin I mean, goes we're establishing to... establishing the characters. 
Yes. So, well, half of them, roughly. Yeah. The other so, ones, they don't matter enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, the other, so we jump to the assassin who is getting gold for the head of the magistrate, where one of our side villains that really feels relevant besides to be her opposite. Yeah. He's, he brings up that it's, that he's like a snake or that she's like a snake and he's like a snake. So he's attracted to her. They're, my guess is in the events that happened prior to the film, they were lovers. That's my guess. I was kind of the impression that they had never met before. Well, it's so at the end of the film, there's like those and she paintings. Just caught his eye um, during the um, during like her these when she assassinated the. Uh, uh, the magistrate, because he was also there with like one of the other Hikita clan members. Was he? Yeah, I must have missed that. Yeah, there's like an old guy. Um, gotcha. That was yeah. The old guy was uh, with the witch as well. They were there. Gotcha. Gotcha. So okay, that explains a bit. I also forgot to bring up that the cherry blossom uh, leaves that are blowing during the fight during all of that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm a sucker for stuff like that. It really reminded me of, uh, I want to say, yeah, it, it is yokai monsters. It's a hundred monsters. If I remember correctly, um, the ending of that's kind of similar to, to this. Um, I mean, this one has some really cool production and set design. It does. Um, very detailed. I actually mm -hmm. wasn't expecting it to be as, I guess, blockbuster like as it was yeah so during the sequence with the assassin uh she rejects him which was kind of funny yeah. um she he does almost seduce her she drops the gold um but then we find out that she's one of the chosen ones yeah and that the pearl the is it a pearl or is it crystal i'm trying to remember uh, what they in my subs i think they said bead a bead? Okay. So the bead tells her to go away, so she does. Hmm. Um with this we go back to the villains, in which we're shown an example of what you just brought up, like the sets and the details, like the costumes I look uh, put like look phenomenal. They look hmm. great. I believe so at this moment in the movie, isn't it? Where they are plotting. No, this is when they realize that the eight heroes are going to come together, so they have to find the princess. Correct? I think that happens a little bit before. Well, um, when they're. This is. What happens here is um, Sonata setting up a trap, and then he first sees a vision of uh, Tamazusa. And that's right. Know, runs away <laughs> from it because she's like, who was your parents? Uh, how old are you? She asks all these personal questions. Yeah. And that will later be paid off. Yeah. But don't they, cause they go back to the villains. There's a whole sequence with them like planning out what they're going to do. If I remember right, that happens a little bit earlier. It's like, after Sonichiba 
does his exposition dump, but before, just before we're introduced to Shino and the assassin. Okay. What's interesting is the assassin ends up running to the shrine where Koshino is. Um, They're about to fight when they're interrupted with visitors. And the visitors just so happen to be Princess Satomi, Sonichiba, and his side uh, kick. Yeah. So now they're all in the same place. Plot convenience. Yeah. I don't know Um, why they're all in the same place, but they are. It's the power of the beads. Yeah, yeah. It it brought them together. Just like Mm -hmm. how uh, Vic Morrow um, just went into Sonata and Co's home in uh, Message from Space for some reason. So does that mean that Vic Morrow and the robot are the assassin and the step bro? Uh... And then Sonata, I think, is playing the same character. And then Sonny Cheap. Sonny Chiba is. I mean, maybe, maybe Vic Mora is like the 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 kid. The Baby Two's the kid, and Vic Mora is the. No, the because guy, name I don't remember. <laughs> isn't there? I'm pretty sure there's a kid and an, a guy that basically are the same characters in both films, if I remember correctly. Uh, or am I wrong? No, kid in message from Hang space. Hang on. There's Sonata, the pouty dude. Yeah, the the As Jack Southern chick, the Jack Jack Sonata Jack the girl, the robot Vic Morrow, Sonny Chiba as a general, uh, the older guy, and I mean, look, it's fair, it's, the characters here are a bit different to say the least. We're not going to get. I one feel like one. I feel like they are kind of a combination a little bit because like Vic Morrow was in the same situation that the assassin. And the step row were in, but mm. those two are clearly he's also not like kind of like the leader of sorts, a de facto leader, I guess, in a way. Right, which is what at least he feels Sonny like Chiba plays in yeah. this film. So they're in the shrine. Um, it's actually because of Sonny Chiba's sidekick that they're at the shrine because he grew up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Little do they know that the girl or the woman that raised him is now the witch. Um, in which does this movie become a kaiju movie at this point in time? What the scene where the the witch shows up and just rips off her face to become a giant centipede monster? Yes. So it's not a kaiju, but they do. I, I believe they refer to her as a yokai. That's right. That's right. It is a yokai, which is really cool. I love yeah. the fact that we have yokai. I think it was suggested that uh, since like both the villains have died and been revived, I think it's suggested that they are also yokai as well. I think so. I know um, in one of the subs they call them demons, mm-hmm. which demons do exist in Japanese culture. Devil Man yeah. taught us that. And then there was also, I mean, there is a demon god. There is a Majin. Yeah. Um, and then there's also... Uh, uh, oh. Oni? Ew. Oh, I think they are called Oni. I'm pretty sure they are uh, described as Oni. Where did I read that? Where did I see that? I'm, I, I, I remember seeing and reading that they were Oni, technically. The ones in this, in this film? Yes, Motofuji and his mother were Onis. 
Oh, and then in the English dub, they're called goblins. <laughs> uh, Hiroki Sonata says, so what you're telling me, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he tells his mother, uh, spoiler alert, that he, from what he understands, she just told him that he was the son to goblins. Uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but going back here, so we have a giant centipede that ravages this uh, shrine, but this is right uh, following after uh, the princess being attacked by Motofuji's mother. Um, well, a vision from, of her. Right. She projects herself to these characters frequently throughout the film. Yeah. So following this, we have the yokai centipede, which uh, almost beats all of our heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that saves them is the fact that uh, their magical beads uh, come together and destroy the beast. I must say, this sequence was really surprising. <laughs> it, it felt like completely left field, and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> it does, because throughout the rest of the film, like you would think there's challenges along the way, um, but it does kind of follow a message from space and kind of I feel it, like at this reserves, point it reserves like the actual fighting against the Hikita clan until the last act mostly right. there's a Which little I, bit here and there but it's mostly reserved for the finale right most of the film is used to establish characters and find them which yeah. I would argue in the last act they kind of rush that as well yeah. Um. Now we're we fast forward to the following day, while the princess and our four samurai at this point are traveling, Shimbe uh, mm-hmm. kidnaps her. He successfully does it. He appears out of nowhere, which is I, I kind of appreciate because it shows that he's been trying to get caught up to them. Um, because it is kind of left field him showing up out of nowhere, but you would imagine mm. that he's been trying to catch up to them this whole time. Mm. While trying to kidnap her, he ends up taking her to the village where he grew up. Um, correct? And this, yeah, and discovers it's all been destroyed. By the... The not-empire. The not-empire. Um, during this sequence, uh, the Princess Satomi and Shinbei are watching, and one of the clan members, one of the generals, is knocked off his horse by yeah, a bee. The 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 Hikita clan is like still chasing uh Satom the princess and you know come back to this area as well. Right. So they come back and they destroy the village. Everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. Um except for two children. Except for two children, yeah. Um, during this sequence, one of the generals is knocked off of his horse by a magical bead, and he quickly hides it. Mm-hmm. Um, following this, we watch as the other clan members end up brutally murdering the children as Shimbei and Princess Satomi watch from the trees. After they leave, they both approach the murder scene, the murder crime scene, I guess. Um, 
I'm trying to, I, I don't remember that. I mean, they either trample or they get stabbed. It's one of the two. I will say the children's death felt kind of unemotional. They just kind of are there, dirty. That's probably why I don't remember it for certain. <laughs> yeah, so Princess Satomi asks Shinpei to release her so she can wash them uh, because he, she didn't appreciate looking at the kids being dirty yet. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends she up not obliges. being able to lift them. He obliges, but he's unable to lift them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and from here, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the four samurai end up catching up with Shinbei and Princess Satomi, um, right? So they get chased by like what I presume is like the remaining villagers, if I recall correctly, yes. as well as the um, uh, you know, the Hikita clan. And then they go into a cave, um, which they're like, oh, that cave's dangerous. There's, if you go in there, you'll never come out. So they, they go in there and they end up finding the four, um, the other clan. Samurai? Members. Yeah. Well, not all um, of them are really samurai. <laughs> this is true. And I did read that uh, somebody brought up how it's like, it's like two samurai and some assassin and a hooligan. I mean, it's only the English title that calls it. This is true. Samurai. This is true. Um, so while they're in the cave, the cave people come out, and they are about to, I guess, kill everybody until the princess plays the flute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of nowhere, these two cave people show up with beads. It was kind of rushed and like, oh. We found the other two. It's obvious Shinbei's going to be the next the one. The last one, yeah. And, and we have the general, so we, we now know who everybody is. All eight yeah. samurai have been found. So from here, they leave. Um, Shinbei, however, does not have a bead. And so Sonny Chiba's characters like, leave. You're not welcomed. But to be Shimpei fair, he does did also try to kidnap her. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And he's kind of a hooligan. Put it lightly. Put it lightly. Yes. <laughs> so they they start off on the end of their trek. Shimbei following close behind. Sonny Chiba's character sends the sidekick and the step bro to go take care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up pushing him off of a cliff. Uh, Princess Satomi is upset by this. And... This kind of actually oh. reminded me a little bit of, like, the whole, like, when they try to kill Uraku in um, Message from Space a little. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Kind of similar uh, location, too. Yeah, a little. So, again, like, the Message from Space characters kind of feel blended here. Because Uraku is definitely not Shimpe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. This is definitely the Roku <laughs> moment for Shimpe. Mm-hmm. So, following this, uh the Hakuda clan takes Shimpe in. Mm-hmm. While our other characters are traveling. Yeah. This is where we find out that Shimpe is the spawn of the queen, the brother of Motofuji, uh, he has a little birthmark on him that 
shows that they are related. Um, and she basically tries to convince him to turn to the dark side. Yeah. Uh, during this whole like monologue, he pulls out the flute, starts playing it. It hurts her. And Motofuji kills Shinbei. I'm pretty sure that's that's what is established is he's killed in air quotes. And then the doctor of the clan uh, is told to take him away, replace his skin with women's skin. So he's fair toned like his brother and drain his blood and put fresh blood in. Kind of messed oh, up. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because there's a whole subplot about how Motofuji's skin is actually the skin of women. Um, oh, yeah, because he, right. he wants to have fine soft skin so this is where we're introduced to our eighth uh hero the general what's we're his name it's genpachi. Well, not in- genpachi yeah who is what sonny chiba played in warning uh yeah, message from essentially. Space. um both characters are basically the same except sonny chiba's character was a was royalty. lot cooler and royalty yeah yeah, Sonny Chiba's character was the MVP of the film. <laughs> yes, quite literally. Quite literally. Without Sonny Chiba and Message from Space, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. Um, Genpachi takes uh, Shinbei, kills yeah. the doctor, uh, rides off, um, and this is where we cut back to our heroes, our six heroes and the princess, in this cave that is very beautifully lit, I might add. It's a beautifully oh, yeah. lit cave. With and the, the fog machine eight... as well, making it look all the more better. Yes. I love fog machines. They make everything look cool. They do. So it's actually like the shrine of the eight warriors, I guess. Hmm. Um there's a cave or in the cave it's carved out for all uh, eight heroes and we never brought up the fact that each hero has like one special superpower yeah because one's loyalty one's soft heartedness one's they all have like this one thing they're really like that is their profession i guess that's what they've mastered mm-hmm. um so they all have their beads up except for the two remaining uh, while they're talking and trying to figure things out, they hear horse hooves. It's Genpachi with Shinbei. Mm-hmm. Um, Genpachi shows that he has one of the beads and whatnot and brought Shinbei back. Yeah. Um, this is where one of the biggest surprises of the film happens, at least to me. Shinbei, I guess, was... What, what would you call it? Not converted. Uh, like when a ghost goes into you, you become uh, possessed. Yes. I guess he becomes possessed. I think he was more just angry <laughs> at the fact that I mean, know, they tried to kill him. Also, the love triangle between Shinbei and Princess Satomi is very well established at this point because everybody knows that they love each other. Mm. Well, so even though they've. Powerful. It's not a triangle. Um, yeah, you said it was a triangle. When did I say it was a triangle? I didn't say it was a triangle. Five seconds ago. I did not. 
Oh my god! I said, and it's a surprise to nobody because everybody knows. You, you just just before that, you said it was a love triangle with who? There is no know. third person. That's what I was asking. There is no, no, no. I think you're hearing things. I did not. I'm say not. That. And you're and you're gonna find out that I'm not crazy. <laughs> that you're the crazy. Sure. One. I look forward to you watching this one. Uh huh. So. Everybody's not surprised, and everybody wants Shimpei to be back, I guess, because she loves him. Yeah. So he turns into a villain and does some cool acrobatic moves as he fights all the other heroes. Um, but with the power of love and the power of the eighth bead, mm. he is saved. And then we find out that, uh, well, no, before we find out what his power is, all the other, I laughed so hard at this. All the other heroes are like, we should go. <laughs> it's about to get steamy in this room, and we mm. shouldn't watch. And they just disappear for the yeah. entire night. And it's hilarious. And we get an amazing love song. Yes. So, Shinpei wakes up, and they get a little steamy. And this is when one of the most beautiful songs I've heard in a movie ever plays. Yes. It's titled from John O'Banion. Yes. Also known as, for anybody who doesn't know, I don't want this night to end. Yeah. So, whenever I find the love of my life, that's going to be the song that's played (laughs) like when we're stargazing looking out of my sunroof, I'm going to play that song. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see if it, if it has the same effect. I doubt <laughs> it, but you never know. That's if I ever find the love of my life. Hey Amen. It's a, it's a great song. It's beautiful, but it's not on Spotify. And I hate that. I know. I know. I was so annoyed by that. I, I literally, for Spotify, I have to rely on like a cover. Uh, yes. To be fair, the cover actually isn't too bad. It's fairly accurate, I'd say. But like you know, I'd like the original. I'd like the the original song. <laughs> I concur. So, oh. after a beautiful moment with this love ballad and and Shimbei getting lucky for the night, yeah. Also, his superpowers. Uh, Tender heart? Yeah, something like that. We have a giant snake that appears to take the princess away. And this is probably the worst effect in the film, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the centipede the snake, cool, though. Yeah. The, the snake wraps around the princess and just flies off. Yeah. And then this is where our eight heroes go to the pagoda for the final battle of the century. Well, first they um, have to collect the bow. Right. Um, um, doesn't a magical deity appear once yeah. all eight beads are in the cave and they're like, take this bow, it's for the princess. Yeah, only the princess can use it. Sure. So, and I'll, I'll well, explain why I say sure. So, then they travel to the pagoda. And Genpachi's the first one to go in. Mm-hmm. And he just dies immediately. (laughs) So 
like this the whole fight just feels like it's a bloodbath. So Genpachi is quickly dispatched he. That was a horrible joke. It was horrible. You should be ashamed. I'm a little ex- ashamed. Good. Um the assassin is uh fights the snake, which turns mm. out to just be the dude that loves her, and they fight to the death and they both die in a draw. All right, yeah. Dying together. Um, the step bro finds out that his stepsister's still alive, but mm-hmm. they are now yeah, poison like, blood dancers. Yeah, it was kind of established earlier in the film, but yeah, yeah. Um, so he kills all the other dancers and tells everybody else uh, that their blood's poisoned and they should leave, and he dies with his stepsister slash love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy and the kid from the caves end up holding up a rock that turns them to stone, and they die. Mm-hmm. And then we're just left with Shinbei, uh, Sonny Chiba, and Sonny Chiba's sidekick. Yeah. Um, Sonny Chiba's sidekick then uh, goes off to fight. Um, I don't remember what... His death was... Uh, he is the worst character in this movie. Yeah, He's literally I, I just remember. Sonny he's, Chiba's he's sidekick. Literally, he's literally just... He, he feels like a background character. Yes. He dies, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't remember. The memorable he does is like a, try to kill um, Shinbei. Because and he has a gun. Wanted him to. And he has a gun. He's the only character that has a gun. I don't even remember that. <laughs> That's all I got for him. He dies. I don't even remember why. That's how unmemorable he is. But Sonny Chiba's character, Shinpei, get to the hall, the main hall. Um, they're both, mm-hmm. you know, fighting away. Sonny Chiba's. Uh, is using his samurai sword to fight off everybody, um, yeah. whereas Shinbei is dual-wielding these really cool weapons, just annihilating everybody. Yeah. Um, Sonny Chiba then tries to shut the doors, and while he's doing that, he gets stabbed multiple times and dies. Mm. Um, but it's fine, because Shinbei is somehow a god at combat. Yeah, Shin- Shinbei is... Just annihilates every, ev- literally everyone. <laughs> He's he becomes Sonny Chiba from Message from Space. Yeah, literally, quite literally. Um, so he kills off all the soldiers, and then he frees the princess. But uh, Motofuji is determined to not let him survive. Yeah, and so this is why I said in air quotes the princess is the only one allowed to. Uh, use the bow because Shimbei is the one that very clearly uses the bow to like hit Moto Fuji and it works. Mm-hmm. Like he uses the bow and it works. He doesn't mm-hmm. use the act. Well, yeah, but he uses the bow. He doesn't use the arrow. Um, mm-hmm. he kills Moto Fuji. Well, to be the fair, queen- they say they say the princess is the only one who can draw it. Okay, you do. You have me there. 
You have me there. It's still a bit dumb that like the the magical like lightning powers or whatever happened, but yeah, technically it's the film does keeps consistent with its rules for that. Okay. And then it, it so Motofuji dies. He turns into a corpse. The queen's like depressed, and yeah. then the princess draws the bow and shoots the Majin. Mm-hmm. And the um, and the queen. And the queen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then an explosion's occurring, so they have to get out as quickly as possible. They get out, they get into the water, the pagoda explodes and crumbles. They know that everybody's dead. The explosion explosion uh did seem a little quiet, like the sound mixing between the music and the explosion wasn't the best there, I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um it definitely felt a little less powerful than it should have. Mm-hmm. Um but okay, the miniature we effects cool were miniature great. Things. Yeah. 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 And even the compositing isn't too bad, all things considered, of like mm-hmm. um, Sonata and uh, the princess. Yeah. So at this point, the movie's basically over. Yeah. Um, we go to the next day, I guess, um, where Shinbei gives the princess to her uncle. That's what I understood because the whole idea yeah, was her get to. She was going to get to her uncle. Again, another kind of reference to Hidden Fortress getting to another say. clan. Yeah. And while she's there, she meets a childhood friend who says he's going to help rebuild her uh, clan, and she declines it all to go with Shimpei. Yeah. Love conquers all. She rides out, finds Shimpei, who's at a burial ground for the seven samurai. See? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wink, uh-huh, wink. Uh-huh. Where he's like, no, go back. And the the spirits of all seven yeah. samurai are like, just go. Do it. If you guys fall in love and stay together, we will live on. Yeah. Which was kind of funny. <laughs> but it was wise words, like... If you got the girl, just do it. Just go. Yeah. And then as they rode off into the sunset, we get the reprise of I don't want this night to end. Yeah. Which they knew they had a banger on them because yeah, they played they it knew. twice. They knew. So that is the end of the movie. Yeah. That was a long, long, long break. Long movie. <laughs> So one of the longer movies we've covered. Yes. Um the Hidden Fortress was a bit longer, I think. Yeah, it was. So as mentioned, there was an English dub made for this film. Mm-hmm. It had uh, a different love song a love ballad at the beginning. Uh it Disgusting. had alternate title sequences. Um and I'm pretty sure it has a lot of the same uh voice actors that did some of the Godzilla movies from the nineties, oh. I think. It kind of sounded like it. Um, I mean, but f- maybe it, maybe it was the same um, dub studio, Omni Productions. It could have been. I know they um, did a couple dubs for Kamen Rider, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think um, I lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the um, English version um, is basically uncut. Uh, yeah. But... The film, quote-unquote, fell into public domain, as most of Sonny Chiba's uh, films have. Yeah, public Much domain like, in quotes. 
Yes, it's much like the Gamera films where they just forgot to put the copyright stuff on. They are yeah, copyright the protected. Aren't really public domain. It's just like there's a version without the proper copyright, um, as you said, and thus there's a misconception that these films are um, public domain when really they're right. not. Right. I mean, the same sort of happened with some Godzilla films as well, where a lot of people think a lot of the Shaw Godzilla films are, or at least their dubs, are public domain when really they're not. Right. It's just that they haven't been sued yet. Not yet. But they will eventually, probably. Maybe. Assuming Katakawa cares. So, a little fun factoid um, as the credits are rolling. This is actually Japan's first film to credit makeup. Yeah. Um. I thought that was a really cool little fun fact. Hmm. Um, now, as we brought up, this film looks really good. It, it looks really good. Yeah. And that's it had a billion yen budget. Yeah. And I did it's some pretty math. Sizable. Yeah. So in 1984 USD, that would be three thousand nine hundred three million nine hundred seventy four thousand five hundred sixty two dollars and eighty cents. Mm hmm. When you convert that to 20, uh, 23 money, it is $11,604,767.03. So that's, 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 a decent, that's a decent budget, especially for a Japanese film. Yeah. But this is where it really gets you. It was the highest grossing movie of 1984 in Japan. Not 83. Because it was released, oh, it in, released December, in December, right, it, right, yeah, it yeah. fell over to 1984, and it came That's out right. as the highest-grossing film. Um, and on top of that, it was also it did really well on home video. Yes, so the box office was two uh, twenty-three twenty million yen, which when you do that, which was like more than double. <laughs> yes, so it is. Uh, Nine hundred and twenty-three thousand ninety-eight dollars and fifty-seven cents uh, in nineteen eighty-four, and when you convert that, that was a two million six hundred ninety-two thousand three hundred five dollar and ninety-five cent box office, which is really good, mm-hmm. considering uh, nineteen seventy-five was the first time a film crossed a million dollars. That was Jaws, by the way. Jaws was the first film to do that. Um, and as you mentioned, it did really well uh, on home video. That's partially because it was actually over a hundred dollars to like purchase it. Um, <laughs> is is but, this where that trend started? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, why, why, why? So oh, it right, made, rental. right. Yeah. So it made, I want to say it was 70 million yen. Um, or it was 700 million yen. But when you convert that, that was uh, $2,782,193.96 USD from 1984. When you convert that, that is Mm $8,123,336.92 modern day. So Mm -hmm. when you add the modern day totals, it had a profit of let me make sure i i'm giving you the right numbers here 
it had a profit of so the grand total amount it made was $26,626,936.90. Once you subtract the budget, it ended up profiting $15,022,169.87. Which is actually quite a lot. (laughs) Uh, It it made more than its budget back. Actually, it made five times its budget. Or no, no. It made its budget back and then about 4000 more. Okay. I Give was looking at the profit. 1984 budget compared to the okay. 2023 profits. Mm-hmm. So it made, it, it did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I as a little, understand, it was pretty well regarded for the most part as well. Um, yes. And- Yes, it was really well liked. It was actually supposed to be the first in a trilogy of films, but that really? never materialized. Yeah, kind of a shame. I wouldn't have mi- I wouldn't have minded seeing more Sonata. <laughs> I know, right? So, before I go into like my opinions, do you want to talk about the cast and crew? Uh, yeah. Okay, so we've already brought up the co-writer and producer, as mentioned, co-writer director Kenji Fukusaku who did The Green Slime, Message from Space, Samurai Reincarnation, Battle Royale, and a handful of others. Yeah, Um, Haruki Katakawa as well, the producer, did, uh, you know, Sailor Suit Machine Gun. He directed um, his last film before he got arrested for cocaine (laughs) was a Christmas tokusatsu movie called Rex, A Dinosaur Story. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was a kids' movie that got it, that was pretty controversial because the the director got arrested. I love cocaine. that. <laughs> so the film ended. Up, I think it ended up being bombing or something because of that. Because of parent uh, p- parents having an outrage over that. Hmm. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So the main actress for this movie, Hiroka. Yakushimaru. Yeah. She was in G.I. Samurai, Sailor Suit, and Machine Gun. But mm-hmm. get this. She was in Takashi Yamazaki's trilogy, Always Sunset oh. on Third Street. Yeah. Oh. Damn. She was in 1, 2, and 3. Damn. I um, need to watch this sometime. I, I would love to. I wish they had a, a U.S. release. I know at least the first one has an Australian release. This is true. But that's not the <laughs> one that's the best. The best yeah, one's obviously but, the second. Yeah, but like, here's the thing. You don't have any of them. Exactly. But we do have Hiroyuki Sonata. We do. Who, the best man himself. We, who did Ninja Wars, Message from Space, Yellow Fangs, Ring, Spiral, Ring 2... Jack Q, Message from Space, Galactic Wars, and appeared in all the Jack Q movies and spinoffs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A He's legend a pretty, of an pretty, actor. A pretty prolific Japanese action actor. <laughs> Only in literally one of the highest grossing films of all time, Avengers Endgame. He was also yeah. in Wolverine, uh, John, John Wick 4, Bullet Train, Bullet Train Mortal Kombat, um, The Lost Samurai, Life. He was even in Minions. Uh, the Keanu Reeves uh, 47 Ronin yeah. film. 
he's literally like the face of Japanese actors. Yeah, he's like if if you're talking about Japanese actors who at least in the modern day, it's Sonata and Ken Watanabe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, my only question is where's Sonata's Oscar for best actor? Where where's his uh Where's his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? He doesn't want to pay for that. He's too oh. good for that. Oh, fair enough, honestly. Of course, you have Sonny Chiba, who was in Invasion of the Neptune Men, Terror Beneath the Sea, Golden Bat, The Bullet Train, Wolf Guy, Samurai Reincarnation, Virus, not, not, Ninja not, Wars. Not the Brad Pitt Bullet Train. No, no. Not the Brad Pitt Bullet Train, the 1975 <laughs> Toei film. Yeah. Yeah, this film Yellow Fangs. Of the stars of the uh, Japanese Action Club. Uh, obviously including Sonata, Chiba, and a couple of the other actors who all would star together on many films. Like uh, Itsuko Shinomi. Yeah. Who was in uh, Message from Space, Kikaida Zero One, Moonlight Mask, The Bullet Train, Jack Q. I mean, all of these three uh, were in Message from Space. This is true. Um, Beyond them, you had Minori... Tarada, who was in Zatuichi meets Yojimbo. Yeah. Sailor Suit and uh, Machine Gun. Tokyo mm-hmm. The Last Megapolis. Ultra Q, the movie. Dragon Head. Kamen Rider Double. Uh, the show and the movie. Howling mm-hmm. Village. Ultraman Tiga. Ultraman Dina. Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. Ultraman Max. And oh, wow. Ultraman Jeed. Was he the suit actor? Like the. Was he the. Mm, I don't think no, so. No, it's an it's another guy who was a yes. suit actor for Common Rider. Yes, and Kenji he's Oba. on my list. Yes, he was in Kenji Oda Was uh, Oba was in Kikaida, Kikaida Zero One, Robot Detective, various Super Sentai's and Metal Heroes. He was even in Gamera the Giant Monster. You had uh, Shunsusuke uh, Korea Korea. Mm-hmm. who was in The Last Dinosaur, Prophecies of Nostradamus, and a 1994 movie called Kappa, which did oh. feature a Kappa. Well, that's um, the title of a movie. Yeah, but, I mean, it could have been like Godzilla that didn't actually feature Godzilla. Mm-hmm. People are going to have to figure out which one I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you had Maski uh Kiyomoto, who was in Kamen Rider Black, Ultraman Towards the Future, Ultraman Tiga, Ultraman Dina, He's and Gara. Yes, and he did some music for Ultraman Towards the Future and did soundtracks for Garo and yeah. uh, the Garo special. Yeah, he sings by... he sings like uh some of the end themes in Garo. You had Ultra Seven actress uh Kiko Matsuzika. Matsuzaka. Matsuzaka. Um, the actor from Motofuji, um, Yuki Mario, uh, mm-hmm. was in Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon, which I thought was really cool. Oh, damn. Um, earlier we brought up Sukiban Daka, um, mm-hmm. Naguru Hakiwara was in, uh, Sukiban Nagare. Daka 2. Huh? Nagare. Nagai, Nagare? Ah. Yeah. My handwriting is not good here. Nagare yeah. Hakiwara was in Sukiban Daka 2. And Sukiban Deka 3, which was actually a TV show. Mm-hmm. You had Akira Shoji, who was in uh, Just Beyond, Kamen Rider Super 1, and The Magic Serpent, the 1966 Toei Kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatsuo Endo, who was in Daimajin, 
and uh, Audition, a Takashi Miike film. And a bunch of other Fukusaku films, like most of his battles without honor and humanity series. Mm -hmm. And then Akira Hamada, who was in Kamen Rider Build, Shin Godzilla, Kamen Rider... Is it... So it's 000. What is that one? Uh, Oh, Kamen Rider O's. Kamen Rider O's, Ultraman 80, Kamen Rider Stronger, Bullet Train, the 1975 film, and Kamen Rider X. Mm. And with that, I think I've I've talked enough about facts. (laughs) So with that, Rex, do you have any fun facts before we get into our overall thoughts on the Um. movie? This isn't really a fun fact, but just something that I noticed and thought was interesting. Did you find any of the music in the film sounded really familiar? Yes. Yes. I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was some cues that sounded familiar. So I noticed like 10 minutes in, um, 10 minutes into the movie, there was like, it's when the princess is like running away and the, like the... Yeah, the princess is running away with like that old man and the decoy, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the the Hikita clan come by. I thought the music sounded really, really familiar, and I and I just kind of sat there for a minute, paused, and kept replaying that scene over and over just to figure out what it was. And I realized it's literally it's 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 almost beat for beat like a track from Gamera Free. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. So, you know, in the end scene, or in the ending of Gamma Free, um, the manifest scene? Yes. Yeah. It's the track that plays when Gamera uh, develops a manifest and punches Iris. Hmm. Yeah. It's almost beat for beat. <laughs> I wondered, do you know who was the composer for this movie? Um, The only credit i could find for a composer on japanese wikipedia that i remember was for like a a japanese rock group called nobody um there were i want to say there were a couple different composers none of them were um koatani though okay yeah i'm looking here is got joey carbone richie zito and masahide satama yuki or aizawa Toshio Kihara. Maybe some of them could have been a maybe one of them could have been a mentor to um uh Kawatani, maybe. But yeah, I beat for beat, like almost exactly ten minutes into the movie, there's a track that is just the um manifest um scene, the score for that scene from Gamma Free. Like beat for beat. <laughs> See that's that I would be very interested to find out if Koatani was inspired by or mentored by any. I, I imagine it's probably mentored by. Hmm. Interesting, because I noticed it and it really st- stuck out to me. Because <laughs> I'm like, where have I heard this before? Do you have any other mind-boggling stuff you wanted to bring up? Sadly, not. That was that was the main one that I really wanted to mention. Gotcha. Okay, well, I guess we can go in here now and uh, talk about our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you start this one. Okay, okay. 
So The Legend of Eight Samurai is overall pretty fun ride, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed this film a fair bit. Um, I'd heard I'd heard from a couple people that this was like definitely like a classic uh, Chanbara, which is sword fighting uh, Japanese film, and. You know, it's always it's always good to see uh, Hiroyuki Sonata <laughs> in a leading role, especially in his younger days. It's cool. But yeah, no, overall, like this film is kind of just eighty eighties in the in like some of the best possible ways, <laughs> mm-hmm. even if it's little little too long for my liking. Gotcha, and and maybe some of the characters are underdeveloped. <laughs> maybe. So I don't disagree oh but legend of eight samurai is actually my third favorite film of all time um damn i really like this movie when i watched it for the first time i remember like stopping after and thinking man that was really really good looking at it a little closer yeah there there is some there's some character problems but i just i love I love the spectacle. Mm-hmm. I love the fantasy. I love the it's, production it's a value. It's epic mu- movie. It it real feel it really feels big. Yes, it does. And I love the cast. Granted the side characters are kind of irrelevant, yes. Mm-hmm. But like Motofuji and the Queen and Sonny Chiba and Hiroyuki Sonata mm-hmm. and Princess Satomi. If if you just like took away like Maybe two or three of the samurai uh, characters. I, I'd be, I wouldn't have any issue with the characters. Just like take away like the t- the two or three that add very little to the film, and I think it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I I I love the suits. I love the it's it's colorful. Yeah, but it's not too colorful. Like the transfer I watched looked real looked really nice. I. I genuinely think that this is probably my favorite samurai movie. Damn. For what little samurai there is. Um <laughs> Yeah. I I I love this movie. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. For me, it's it's the samurai movie that you kinda have to be able you have to be in a mood to sit because it is a two hour movie. Yeah. Um, maybe if I was maybe if I wasn't tired i probably would have liked it a little more and <laughs> i remember um at the time i kind of when i did watch it because originally when i watched it uh was like a week earlier and we were supposed to like you know record the following day and all that i, I was having trouble actually getting a chance to watch it so i just like mm-hmm. got like one I, I saw the opportunity and i'm like okay i'm going to watch it i have time I got to do it now because I, I won't have any other time otherwise. <laughs> right. So maybe no, that I, had something with it as well. Maybe. No, it's just I. I don't know. I, I'm not a fantasy person. I don't watch a lot of fantasy. Yeah, same but, here. I'm I'm not a big fantasy guy myself. But I did enjoy this one. It it was enough fantasy that it wasn't. I don't want to say ridiculous because I don't think that's the right term to use. Mm-hmm. Um. But it just, it didn't feel like I had to suspend my disbelief. Everything felt yeah. pretty... There's, there's plot conveniences, but I don't think the film ever goes 
all that wacky. Like some, right. I've heard some people describe it as being, this movie is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm like, eh. The, the most ridiculous part is probably like the, like the, the centipede lady and the snake dude. That's really yeah. about the extent of it. Right. And, you know, a lot of people like to say it was kind of the Star Wars equivalent of Japanese films. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree. And what I like is, and, and we included here in Star Wars Month because, you know, it's relevancy to to Message from Space, um, the, the comparisons a lot of critics made with Star Wars mm-hmm. and the, I the mean, influences. I there's a couple of moments that it did take some inspiration from Star Wars as well. <laughs> Especially at the end um, with Shinpei and the princess shooting the bow. I really felt a little a lot of Star Wars influence there. I don't know yeah. why. Um, I mean, there's a couple. There's like I want to. I might be remembering this wrong because I because I didn't write this down. But um, I remember reading somewhere. I think that one of the earlier scripts. I want to say it was the second draft, but I could be wrong. I want to say that was a lot more Star Wars like. I think. Well, I know that uh, Katakawa specifically wanted uh, Shinbei and Princess Satomi to reflect Luke and Leia because at yeah, the time I mean, they were siblings. There's a, scene that, there's a scene where that literally references, like directly references Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say it's like Shinbei like swings on a rope with a princess I'm, when he's kidnapping yes. her. I think I'm pretty sure that was the reference. Yes. So, like, it just, I don't know, it, out of all of our other Star Wars month movies, this one felt the most not like Star Wars, but also Star Wars. This this felt the most Star Wars in terms of, like... Scale not, and not, spectacle. Yeah, in scale and spectacle, and not just, it's not trying to replicate Star Wars, it, it's, it's, it just has the same sort of grand feel. Yeah. And it's not trying to become Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not what Star Wars strove to be. Yeah. So I I really like this. Like if you, if you put me down and you said you can either watch Star Wars, a new hope or legend of the eight samurai, I'd pick legend of the eight samurai. I would pick legend of eight samurai as well. (laughs) Honestly. Maybe that's my Japanese cinema bias coming in, but but no, I'd probably pick this one. So with that, I want to know, we're at the end of Star Wars Month. We're officially done with weekly episodes mm-hmm. for now. Where does this sit on your Star Wars Month ranking? Mm. Well, our rankings have been pretty similar so far. So far, we're the exact same. Yeah, yeah, literally. Very very similar. Um, Yeah, so for me, for fourth place, I would put... um, I was trying to remember what... I was trying to remember what the second film we covered was. The War in Space at fourth place. And then at third, I would go Message from Space... Mm-hmm. And then, and then second, um, I would put 
the Legend of Eight Samurai, and then last, but certainly, most certainly not least, the Hidden Fortress. Okay. So in why that, in in saying that, in terms of how much I enjoyed the films, I would say that Message from Space, um, Legend of Eight Samurai, and Hidden Fortress, I enjoyed pretty like a pretty close amount to each other. So like honestly, if I rewatched them, could honestly, depending on how I feel, could probably switch some of those. Could probably switch like. Hidden Fortress and Legend of Eight Samurai around, maybe. maybe. I think both have the potential for me to enjoy them more and rewatch. Okay. So, okay. So, my rankings would be War and Space. Honestly, that one was the biggest letdown. It's funny because it, that was the that was a Toho production, and it ended up... It wasn't really a letdown for me. It just... It's... it's the least remarkable and it's 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 just everything in it's been literally done before right um for my number three i would do message from space um it's a fun movie i think message from space is the definition of a fun movie yeah i'd agree the the problem comes in the the story's kind of the the writing (laughs) yeah the the script is uh not the greatest. The quality of the film is not good enough for me to put it higher. Mm-hmm. Next, I would put the Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. The Hidden Fortress is a well made movie, but I found myself having more a harder time getting through that one, which was also two hours long. I mean, than my number one the Hidden spot. Fortress is like two and a half hours. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And then at number one, my one of my top films of all time, The Legend of Eight Samurai. Yeah, I, I love the movie. Um, I don't want this night to end. Is an amazing ballad. I love that movie. I love the movie. I oh, think the song it's is a top tier as well. Yeah, <laughs> the song is great. The movie is great. I love it. I think it's Kenji Fukusaku at his best. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched all of it. Oh, all of his other films. I've only watched uh, The Green Slime, uh, Virus, and, and uh, Legend of Eight Samurai. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling it's going to be my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to watch Battle Royale. We won't cover Battle Royale Battle as Royale of is currently. Really but like, I, I, really I want to watch that. Um, I need to watch Samurai Reincarnation. I want to watch Ninja Wars, GI Samurai. I want to watch a lot of those those like mid late seventies, early eighties samurai movies with mm-hmm. Sonny Chiba and Fukusaku at at the helm. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't. I feel like Legend of Eight Samurai was the culmination of everything that Fukusaku, Chiba, Sonata, and everybody had learned for the last five to. 10 years possibly possibly um i think i mean it doesn't have the best samurai uh moves and whatnot but it's not bad like the the actual samurai parts are not bad and i like this movie a lot mm-hmm. i think the action is quite good for the most part <laughs> i mean yeah. sonata waving around two sides and killing killing a bunch of uh, Samurai Warriors is pretty. It's pretty awesome, I must say. But I will say, 
the one thing that Legend of Eight Samurai doesn't have is Toshiro Mifune. That is true. And that is very unfortunate. But it's got everything else, minus yeah. Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. And Takashi Shimura. Mm. For two minutes. Mm. <laughs> but it's got Sonny Chiba and Hiroyuki Sanada, so. Yeah. So that kind of makes it's, up for it, it. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, I, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know. There was just, upon my first watching, there was something about it that was just really special. Yeah. And it just, it made me fall in love with it. It was like mm-hmm. Shinpei and, and Princess Satomi. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt. Mm-hmm. So that's really all I have to say. Um, we've been going now for about three hours on this movie. I mean, mind you, there's like a whole 45 minute of section of this recording that was you and I talking pre-show. <laughs> this is true. That might see the light of day. It might not. It really depends. We'll see. So... With that, I feel like we can go ahead and wrap things up here so we don't go on for too much longer. Yeah. So. I need a chance to edit. (laughs) Yeah. Rex, why don't you tell the lovely people where they can find you at? Oh, well, dear viewers, you can uh, find me on YouTube at Rexino, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, and on Instagram at Rex underscore Xeno. And if you want to check out some of my writing, go take a look at the Tokusatsu Network. Alrighty, and as for me, you can find me on YouTube at ET13Productions, on Twitter at ET13Productions, or on Instagram at ET13Productions. If you want to find my personals, I'm not going to tell you how to, but it's pretty easy. And with that, let's not forget the most important stuff. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, that boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. We are... Currently sitting at a 3.1 with 23 ratings. We did have a review bomb, and we have yet to really bounce back from that. So if you guys could leave us a five-star review, that would be great. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't. That's Mm. kind of a lie. Maybe that's why we have review bombs, is because I lie every time during this sign-off. Yeah, this is still your fault. I use a MacBook to do this podcast, so... But you can rate us on Spotify now. Yeah, but definitely rate us on Spotify if that's how you listen to us. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you. You can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com. All lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. Eventually, we'll have original artwork. But until then, you can sport our awesome logo on a t-shirt or maybe even a coffee mug. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to chat with us, check out our Discord server full of others that have similar interests to you. Recently, we had a discussion about the MonsterVerse. (laughs) Mm. I mean, hey, look, man, people have to recover over recent uh, leaks. This is true. There's also some talk about uh, what somebody has titled Taisaku Sentai Shin Ranger, or the (sighs) uh, Shin Heroes Project. Yeah. Um, The Shin Universe Robo. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's a great community full of great people. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. We sometimes post exclusives to the channels, like bloopers for episodes or minisodes, talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kurchevsky on the channel. I probably botched his name, and I apologize. And a As huge thanks to... Yeah. A huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and the other content we upload. He works very hard, so definitely check him out. His links can be found below. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at Giant Monster BS or on any podcast platform under the name Giant Monster BS. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening and hearing us talk about Legend of the Eight Samurai and all of our Star Wars episodes this month. It's been mm. fun. But we do need to take a tiny break from these weekly episodes as yeah. it's been a little exhausting. Yeah. So and, and we're just barely keeping the schedule on this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for following us, for tuning in each week, week after week to listen to us talk about these movies and hear our awful jokes about how these are the official Star Wars movies. There I mean, are no are. other Star Wars movies. Yes. I'm always right. He's and not, as but I am. Uh, that's not true. I'm always right. You're not right. The viewers know. The viewers know who's right. And as always, Elijah's always right. No. <laughs> Please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Just a lot to big now, baby. His name's Elijah, baby. And also Rex now, baby. We love those kaiju, baby. And you will too now.